there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, happy Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, it's the start of a new week. It's the day I released the podcast. I hope you had a good weekend and I hope you enjoy this episode. So in the last week, uh, we released a Jerd Carney episode about magic. Um, some questions that came in around that was how did Jerd do those tricks, a car trick on, on uh, the YouTube video that we put out. And at the end of the podcast, he did a bit of a mind reading trick. I didn't ask him, kind of tried to, but then realized that I shouldn't go there because he wasn't going to tell me and magicians probably wouldn't like to share their secrets. But I'm sure practice helps. A lot of practice uh, is needed. But uh, overall, it was a well-received episode. It was a long one, but we had a lot to talk about. So go back and listen to it. Uh, Lots of really good learnings from it. Over the last four weeks, we've touched on AI, then magic. This week, it's about space travel. And next week, we talk to a world record holder on climbing summits and that is a really interesting one so wait for that and towards the end of the month when we get near halloween we talk a little bit about paranormal activity which i'm looking forward to releasing that one too continuing to record episodes did one this week have a couple lined up for next week a couple of new guests have been identified through listeners which is great so i will continue to record and i'm definitely on track to hit that number 50 at the end of the year and i have a really good guest lined up for that Uh, i'm just trying to figure out when that one will be released but lots more good stuff to come for me just this weekend just i wanted to give a quick shout out i did a killarney adventure race uh, the quest adventure series yesterday in killarney uh surprisingly enough being killarney adventure race it was amazingly good did it last year I uh, didn't think I'd do it this year, earlier in the year, could barely walk with a back issue, but managed to overcome that and got out there and did the uh, the event yesterday. It was very, very smoothly run. The weather was pretty good, which helps. And just a big shout out to Ollie Kerwin, a former guest on the podcast and his team for such a really good event. The atmosphere was great. So well done, guys congrats on another year of quest activities and looking forward to next year so in this week's episode i am talking to dr nora Patton. in the last week dr nora has been heavily profiled in the media and as i speak she is taking part in a unique scientist astronaut training program in florida called project possum as she continues her relentless march towards becoming Ireland's first person in space. Now, that wasn't her goal. She just wanted to get into space, but uh, it looks like she'll be the first person from Ireland to do it, which is amazing. She started that journey back at the age of 11 when she visited NASA on a family holiday and was immediately struck by what the potential could be. A lady originally from Mayo, so this was like something she had never seen before and From there on, she's really focused her career towards doing that. And as you'll hear during the the podcast, she looked for ways continually to work towards that goal through school subjects, through university, just continue to look for opportunities. And it's a really great story. We recorded the episode back in August when Nora was in Cork at the Space Studies Programme, which was being run in CIT. First time it had ever been run in Ireland or in, in, in this part of the world which was a big coup and great uh, exposure again for for Nora and she was heavily involved in making that happen 
as I said, she's been in the news over the last couple of weeks, and I expect her to be in the news in the next few weeks as well when she releases product that she's been working on called Planet Zebinar. So she talks passionately about that during the show. It is launching soon, probably in November, and she's really creating something there commercial for kids that touches on the STEM subjects. She feels it's her chance to make a difference, and I think it certainly sounds like she's going to. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I look forward to getting your feedback on this one. As I said, Nora is quite an inspirational lady. I would love if you shared it amongst your friends. I think there's a great story behind it. And leave a comment, drop a note back to me over email. Just get in touch so I can hear what you're thinking. And I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. Take it easy. I'm here with... Dr. Nora Patton. Dr. Nora, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Yeah. Thanks for uh, agreeing to uh, come on to the podcast. I've been chasing after you for about two or three months at this stage. So we got got there in the end. Looking forward to hearing about your journey and having a bit of crack. <laughs> Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So Nora, you have multiple hats. You're yeah. an entrepreneur, an engineer, a space professional, I want you to define what that is. You've also recently founded Planet Zebinar. Get the pronunciation right? Yeah, spot Excellent. on. And you're a member of the uh, International Space University, the faculty of that. I, I know you're here in Cork at the moment for the Space Studies program, so I didn't want to forget that. So that's another thing. Which of all of them you know, is, is the most prominent at the moment? So, yeah, so as you say, I'm, we're in Cork as we speak, yes. um, and the Space Studies program is in full swing in CIT, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So it's the first time it's been hosted in Ireland or the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess for me right now, personally, the biggest thing on my agenda is Planet Sebinar, uh, because it's been over 18 months to get this product ready right. uh, to launch and I'm a few weeks from launching it and I'm okay. manufacturing all the different parts okay. to get it out on the market. Um, cool. So we'll come, I think when we get to the point of the current day, we maybe talk a bit about, certainly go on to, I'm fascinated to know more about that, that project so we can go into a little bit of detail about that. I first noticed you found out who you are when I saw as we were talking earlier about the, the Brendan O'Connor show a few years ago you rose to prominence and I'm going to try and not use any yeah. puns about going into you know stratospheres and things like that but that's where I suppose the country got to, to know who you were how did you get to there I did a bit of research again and I saw at the age of 11 you went to Cleveland Ohio was it there I remember all yeah this. yeah but Good I wouldn't even go before that where did that where did that come from yeah it's so I'll go back so 2013 yeah that was um the year I signed up for uh Lynx space flight competition and okay. To be honest, I was really... Was sp- that Lynx now the spray? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, de- yeah, I wasn't sure. <laughs> the male deodorant brand. Okay, right, okay. But I was really surprised at how that took off in mm. terms of, for me. Yeah. Um, You're using the puns. I know, now, yeah. So. <laughs> Non-intentionally. Okay. But uh, because for so many years previous, I had been really progressing my own space career and my my space professional life yeah and i guess that's what kind of surprised me was that it was the Lynx space flight competition that really 
brought mm. me into the public eye. Right. Um, because what was what was what did you have to enter? Was it a... so? It was uh, the first round was done on public vote. Okay. So this is really where um, and I had such an amazing support and right. following. So thank you to everyone yeah. who voted <laughs> because I got over to London for the next phase of it, but mm. then I didn't progress through okay. to win a space flight, but. Anyhow, I think there's so much good came out of it because it really got me and my profile and my sure. work out yeah. uh, into the, the public, which was great. I got to talk about space on the radio and, um, you know, what I was working on. And, um, yeah, so it was really, really great platform, I yeah. guess. Uh, but I was surprised because I wasn't really expecting that level of, um, Interest. Media, yeah, yeah really yeah. to take off. But it was it was great. But yeah, as you say, when I was eleven I went to NASA and even before that was there any in, in like is there aviation history in the family or No, not really. And this like so I grew up in Mayo mm-hmm. in the eighties and obviously there wasn't a whole lot of aviation really aircraft there wasn't really any like you know major aircraft manufacturers or anything like that there or space as Mm. a matter of fact but uh i we went on holidays to nasa when i was 11 and purely by chance um Mm. i took a huge huge fascination with what i saw there and i just thought wow there's something really like amazing going Mm. on in the world besides normal school life and yeah. normal life in Mayo. So that was really where I sparked my interest. And then I was lucky enough to get back to NASA through my teenage years on a few different occasions. Okay. And when I was 15, I went to the Kennedy Space Center and that was just like amazing. That was the absolute point where I thought this is definitely what I want to do with my life. So from 11 and going through those years, you were just had this massive building up interest. At what point did you start saying, right, how... how Figuring out a plan to even get there. You have to start studying certain subjects. You have to start pulling it out from an idea, a vision to reality. Like what, what was absolutely. that Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember when I was 11, it was the summer before sixth class in national school. So mm. I really, that was when my interests really started. Yeah. But then when I went into secondary school, I did really like science as a subject anyhow because I was into that whole field of um, science and astronomy and rockets and I wanted to know I wanted to know more about how these worked and everything right so um, I guess like having the interest was a huge bonus of course Um, but you're absolutely right I started to look into what subjects I should be studying Mm. to do like I had aeronautical engineering down first and I started to look at what kind of courses mm. uh, I want, I would want to get into um, in college. And I found aeronautical engineering and I thought that was the most relevant to my interests and okay. to where I maybe wanted to go. So from that, then I could work back and I thought, you know, I, I knew kind of what subjects I should be yeah. studying then in right. leaving cert. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, having the interest in something makes a huge, huge difference mm. when you're that age because so many people haven't a clue what they might want to do yeah. when they finish school. So then they just kind of, you know, they don't really have purpose in absolutely what subjects they're picking for their course yeah. because they might necessarily know what they want to do. And when you told your career guidance teacher that you wanted to do 
aeronautical engineering and you wanted to progress what was their advice or was there anything yeah. that they said so, I'll tell you a funny story actually okay. and this it, it does kind of come down like at that stage like growing up in Mayo and I was like I want to you know mm. do something space related people kind of thought I was a bit mad because they're like you know yeah. space not stuff not not that common but I would have always had a type of personality where I just would have done things anyway mm. that, you know, I would have, if I got something in my mind, I was quite determined to try and make it happen. And okay. I was like that since I was two years of age. My mother would tell you, like, I was quite stubborn. Right. If I wanted to go outside, I'd put the coat on me and I'd try and get out, okay. you know. Okay. So, um I remember going to a career guidance teacher or coach or um not in our school, but outside of our school okay. to get advice. And um, he actually tried to change my mind from aeronautical to like computer engineering or right. one of those, which I didn't have an interest in. So thankfully, I was the type that said, you know, thanks for the advice, yeah. but I'm going to do what, well, <laughs> what to do I want to do so, yeah. so you know I knew even before going I knew what I wanted to do so I think for me it probably wasn't the best idea to maybe not the best idea to go to get no. but if anything it reassured or reaffirmed that you knew what you wanted to <laughs> well, do that's true I'm looking that's for true. a positive here but <laughs> it's like you know, no I don't I'm not listen to what that is I know what I want so. yeah that's a good thing. And I suppose you can always take nuggets of, of information from these things, like mm. subjects to progress or extracurricular activities. You know, you'll yeah. get nuggets of what is good in terms of going into college. So, yeah, yeah. Um, But there definitely was an element to that. I had my mind made up for years and I thought, you know, I don't care what other people are going to tell me. Yeah. Oh, the industry is not in a good time now and mm. I was like do you know what I don't really care like yeah, you, you yeah. deal with all of those things yeah. post yeah like when you're when it's something you're passionate about it doesn't exactly you're not really thinking about the money out of it or what you know other kind of benefits I suppose so influences growing up your parents fully backed all of this yeah like, absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. and like my dad was the one who brought me to Kennedy Space Centre when I was 15 cool and um, so he took just me and my brother because the others didn't want to go so oh. yeah so the, absolutely the support was there and um then I kind of got like Eileen Collins I got to know more about her and her life and she was the first female space mm. shuttle commander and she was a mom and she was um a real role model for me growing up because I thought wow like this woman this lady has such an amazing career and yeah. has progressed the route that she wants to go and she's an astronaut and I thought you know for me looking at people like her was a real influence to say well you know there are people who can do it so yeah I can do it too absolutely yeah I suppose everybody needs those to to, to look to and like do research into her journey as how, how she got there you know is there certain things I, that yeah you to model against I think well I think you know everybody has a different type of path yeah. Um, there's different opportunities in different countries as well. So mm. I think for me, it was more to know that, that, that you can achieve certain things if you, if you go the right path and things line up for you, of yeah. course. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think it's to to be aware that you need to look out for the opportunities that are available to you in your place where right. you're at. Mm. Um, because you can kind of, you know, not put enough time into that and mm. then maybe miss out okay. where you should be going. Yeah. So once you finish secondary school, went to UL, isn't it, to, to mm-hmm. do, you got aeronautical there. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you remember anything up to that point that ever tried to throw you off track or? Well, not throw me off track. I think like I loved the undergrad. I loved, loved the undergrad. And I guess I had always wanted to, I always need a lot to do. I always have enjoyed like many yeah. different things to As keep me interested. As we're after a full day's work, yeah, I get that. But uh, I guess, because uh, like I did Taekwondo in college and I was, you know, chairing the Aeronautical Society. So I had lots of extracurricular. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess no there was not it was a space was always my thing like mm. there was nothing has ever thrown me off and i think this is the thing like even now at 33 like you'll always come back there'll always be a niggle as to you know what that thing is that you love yeah and what you and even if it's a case that you do that thing you love in your spare time then do that yeah you know i'm not saying everybody is as lucky as me to mm. have got the chances that I've got sure. to progress my career and my life in this way but um, even if it's a case that you need to do those extra things outside of work yeah, to you know have that link to what you really love to do I think that's really important yeah no again I'm, I'm doing this and it's not my day job as well you know so yeah, it's exactly. passionate about but it's so, great you know yeah. and you'll take so much from doing it I oh think. absolutely and meeting good people learning lots of things from their story and that's you know the underlying thing for me is learning about what makes people work tick and yes. try and help others yes. figure that sort of stuff out so um, but the the space piece was is being persistent though. always so, so going, yeah. through, going through university were you again trying to say, right, if I do this, this could open up this door, the, the next door, or was it just trying to stay as close to that dream? I suppose. It, I think it was always staying close. So, like, um, like when I did the undergrad, uh, I got a as part of the course you do an eight month internship. Okay. And I got to go to Boeing in Seattle for yeah. eight months. So that right. was like super cool, you know. At, mm. 20 years of age you could show your badge and then you cool. go and you're on like you know yeah. nice. <laughs> jumbo jets in the hangar it oh, was yeah. just deadly yeah really just really cool so but um i had always been looking like space had has has and always will be i think my my thing that yeah. i will always be passionate about and be most interested in so like in fourth year in college I applied for um, a program in NASA um, and so I got to go for six weeks uh, over to Florida and after my after my undergrad so it was like fourth year Summer. It's like your J one sort of thing. Totally. Other but it was go in to Nantucket and yeah. you go to NASA. Yeah. Nice. So I but I think this is where it comes back. You always have to be fishing for opportunities mm-hmm. because I could have easily just not bothered yeah, to yeah. apply for this when it came up. Oh, I'm too busy with something else, so yeah. I won't bother. But I sure. did and it was like absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, so then I came back and um, I started. On that, sorry, though, just, just again, interested on, on that six week program, what was what were you doing during those six weeks? And yeah, was there anything? Lo- lo- lots of different things. So we got to build model rockets. Um, okay. so, Rocket science. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for our one, we uh, modified it into a two stage. So we were like, you know, making it a bit different. Okay. So we had to uh, work. Elon like, Musk was on the class this year. <laughs> it was know. really cool, actually. So we had like an altimeter in it to know how high it went. And, okay. Um, yeah, we would have given Elon a run for his money. Right. Very good. <laughs> Maybe not. But it was a case of working with a guy who knew model rockets because we had to design like a decoupler for it because we were modifying it. And then we had to look at what booster, like what little motor we'd use for each stage, for the first stage and then second stage. Okay. And, uh, but really, yeah, we did lots of different classes and things like that as well. So Brilliant. it was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Great experience. Yeah. And then networking, I suppose, was another angle to that, wasn't it? Yeah, a- absolutely. And the guy actually who, who uh, ran the course in Florida, uh, in Space Florida, so I'm still in touch with him, mm. like, and that's what, 11 years later, yeah. you know, yeah. and I met up with him when the Space Studies program was in Florida Perfect. in 2012. So yeah. you do, you meet people and I think it's important to maintain absolutely relationships with people you meet yeah. like that. Yeah, cool. Um, so I cut you off there after you were going after the six mm. weeks piece, you were... Uh, oh no, yeah, I came back and... And um, I think like that, like I had a big interest in aerodynamics from my undergrad. So I started into the PhD. But again, it was like I was always looking for the space yeah. thing because right. it was just really like what I loved to do. So mm. then in 2008, um, so two years later, I... Uh, two year PhD? No, sorry. So sorry. Uh, 2006, I graduated yeah. undergrad. And then in 2008, I applied for a summer school, a space summer school okay. in Austria. Right. So I went there for 10 days. Cool. So again, it's like I was always wanting to keep in the loop yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. space. Mm. What was your kind of approach to keeping on, on top of all those opportunities? Was mm. Were you being very proactive in how you were finding out about these programs? And were they kind of like invitational type things that you were submitting for you're probably obsessive i suppose <laughs> looking there yeah this is i think um well i think nowadays there's so much information being shoved in our face yeah. all the time it's very hard to filter what's an opportunity and what's just spam, trying to spam get exactly yeah yeah so back then um it was more through like networks or through maybe linkedin which was you know, only early, really early, early days, days at that yeah, stage. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was an internal email okay. in in the in the college that went around to the postgrads, right? That I saw. Um, I'm nearly sure that was, or it was through a friend of mine who was a postgrad who knew I was just obsessed with space. Yeah, who sent it on to me. So, but yeah, I think nowadays it's just so much hard, harder to filter. Yeah, what yeah. is aligned with where you're going? What's real and what's not? Because mm. I would say there's so much stuff that you would read every day that yeah, you, you like you probably then would say ah, you almost become cynical about saying I'm not going to bother applying for that because it looks too good to be true and it you know you never know you never know. The best thing is to talk to somebody who's done that program or applied for that thing yeah before and get their feedback and their details of the whole okay. thing is it worth it or not so doing the phd then 
just to kind of uh, talk a little bit about that process was that very intensive was it was there, were you working mixing uh, academic studies were you doing uh, placements as well I, I know you had done something with Bell Labs as yes well, yes yes uh, I did uh, three months in Bell Labs and okay. um, that was absolutely brilliant um, geez I learned so much in the mm. space of those few weeks um, so it was an experimental PhD it was in okay. uh, wind tunnel testing with hot wires and uh, looking at fluid flow behaviour um, and structures and things like that so but that it's amazing like if, like if you can get industrial placements right you can learn so much in that short space of time mm. I mean I remember coming back and I just I I worked so much faster at things after coming back because you just learn so much from people in the industry who okay. were yeah it was great Great experience. Yeah. So then, after the PhD, was it moving out into the to the big, bad world of work? So we'll say I finished the undergrad two thousand and six, mm-hmm. and then I didn't finish the PhD till two thousand and eleven. Uh, but I applied for the space studies program again. This is like yeah. always looking, and it was through the summer program I went on in two thousand and eight that I learned about the International Space University. Okay. There was loads of people there that had been involved in it or whatever so I didn't apply for it in 2009 because I was still trying to finish off the thesis and or not even thesis but the PhD so I purposely didn't apply and so I waited till 2010 to apply and it was brilliant I got the I got a scholarship off the European Space Agency and Enterprise Ireland to go for the nine weeks to Strasbourg uh, for the space release program and it was just Brilliant. I still have friends from it. We still, I still have colleagues all over the world mm. and I'm still involved in it today. So, yeah. um, what, what was the kind of key takeaways from, from that? Like, or, ah, just, you, you can, you can, you, you can do something so much bigger with your life. That was honestly my takeaway. I remember the director said to us on the first day, like the welcome invitation mm. evening we had and she stood up and she said uh, you guys might laugh or think I'm being funny but ISU will actually change your life and we mm. all kind of thought oh whatever you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it actually did in so many great ways so mm. yeah what was the main one thing that would you kind of say that changed it? you learned so much like so not just from lectures and from workshops but you learn so much from the network of people that mm. are there and you learn a lot about yourself in terms of how you deal under stress and pressure and yeah. you know it's like it's a very intensive nine weeks yeah um you're working around the clock um but then you come out and you think like you really can achieve so much more yeah than your normal life that you had before yeah. so. I think we're all I'm talking to lots of people that have done well in lots of areas we're only ever probably operating at 50% of what we really can do yeah. and we just it's the negative part of our brain the self talk saying you can't do that that's too much for you just giving ourselves a hard time all the time that uh, I think it it's just a pattern again that you hear and you listen to TED Talks and people saying like push yourself to the limit there's lots more 
in there. So it's, Absolutely. it's great when you, and especially those intensive kind of camps where there's, there's, is there a set objective at the end of it or is there something you have to produce or an output or something like that? Or There are, yeah, there are outputs. Um, like there's a core exam after the lectures. Right. Um, there are deliverables from the departments and then there's a team project report that needs to be done okay. and presentation at the end. But I think even more bigger picture than that, like, the lessons that you learn as a person in mm. going through that program. There's so much more to just the knowledge that you're learning yeah. in terms of the research you're doing. And, you know, you're learning to work in a multinational team with 30 odd participants in that team from all over the world. That in itself is such a learning curve because mm. there's different cultures, different opinions you know yeah. different ideas and you have to learn how to integrate all of those to work as a, as a team and that's a huge yeah thing to do were you the only Irish person on it no there was oh. five of us that year oh, okay yeah yeah five of us that year so um yeah it was great it was a good cohort of it was great people, yeah so. yeah cool. absolutely so after that i know we're kind of tracking your career yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> and we will get to the present but what was uh what, what's going on between then i suppose and we talked about the the, the links competition yeah that kind of put you into the into the country's view since then other things that you've been involved in that uh you've taken a lot of learning from after the PhD, I was lecturing for a while in the university, okay. and then I was in a technology centre in UL, right. the Centre for Composites, for three years. Um, so that was great. That was a communications and outreach role, and I got to work a lot with industry to see where their interests were and how academia and industry could work together. Okay. So that was cool. Um, and I... You get exposed to different things, you know, in these different roles, and I would have written grants for funding and I had always wanted to take something back home from SSP from my time at SSP so at the Space Studies Programme yeah. so in 2014 then 2013-2014 I coordinated the space project yeah. for the transition years um, but I guess I had always this niggle to do like I had always really wanted to, to, to try and create something myself mm -hmm. um so i was lucky in that when i was in the center for composites i had this amazing manager who um he 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 just he really trusted his staff and he supported us so i think without him i wouldn't have done the nanoracks project the space okay. project with the kids um and I think you get a sense of entrepreneurship, you yeah, know, where you yeah. can, you have the f the flexibility, I guess, to to do something new yeah. and innovative, but you have the supports mm. of a job. Entirely, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's interesting. One of the guys I interviewed, he talked about entrepreneur as opposed to entrepreneur, and it's uh, it was the first time I actually heard it kind of explained that way, but it, it gives you that. Absolutely. Bit of, of a, like a soft landing or Absolutely. a bit more comfort. Yeah. D did you find that though? Probably did, but there's a part of me thinking, okay, it still gives you that little bit of fallback, but until you're really out there knowing you don't have that safety net, you mightn't 
feel that you're fully exposed and vulnerable and giving it all you know oh absolutely yeah. like uh, yeah yeah you, you, it's it's very different to being out on your own like yeah. it's it's uh you don't like you do everything you do all you know you're responsible for everything now yeah like so you don't have an accounts team or a pure team or yeah you don't have any of those yeah. when you're out so you're you're really self-supporting um so I did the New Frontiers program last year. Okay. Uh, so Talk that's, a little bit about that, maybe? Uh, Six-month program okay. funded by Enterprise Ireland All right, so it's for like entrepreneurs. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that was great because, honestly, the first couple of months are just, you're really like, jeez, you're like just trying to find your feet. And is that full-time? That was full-time, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, I think I was thrown by the name New Frontiers because of the link to space and whatnot, but it's just purely a new business course. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Um. So there was 11 of us on that Great. course in IT Tala for six months, um, and they provide loads of different types of workshops and lectures and financial supports right. uh, for the six months. And did you have to have a, a business in mind already you had your own kind of proof of concept idea which is Zebinar right yes okay. so I did so that's phase two it was right. six months but I did phase one while I was working okay so that's like an evening you do two evenings a week right um, and that's kind of like an introduction to okay. business and yeah, yeah, yeah. business plans and market research and the whole lot okay so then uh, for phase two you have to apply uh, then you have to do an interview um, and pitch your idea um, and then they pick 11 people to go on it. So that was right. great, uh, a great opportunity. And, this, you know, you do a lot of pitching exercises. Sure. And the whole lot, you meet investors and the whole lot like that. So, okay. um, And that's run out of Dublin? It's actually, it's all over all Ireland. Over. They okay. run it, yeah. Okay. So I definitely recommend it for any entrepreneurs out there that are looking mm. um, and you get financial sports as you say while you're on it as well okay. which is great oh, uh, so that was six months and that finished last December right um, so uh, this year it's really just trying to ramp it up and get the first product out next okay. month so talk about Planet Zebinar for somebody that that has read about it <laughs> and I know it aligns with the, the STEM like sort of science technology engineering uh, and maths correct got it, I got it there um, but talk <laughs> to me about the concept and uh, it's the first day one in maths I think I ever got. certainly didn't get it from my psychology that time uh, in Trinity but um, tell me about the, the genesis of the idea and, yeah. and what it's going after what it's, what it's going to solve I suppose yeah yeah okay brilliant um, so I guess going back to the beginning like so I totally understand that not everybody has an opportunity to go to NASA at 11 yeah um, and then as an engineer, I saw the not so great quality of a lot of the STEM products that are available for kids commercially. Yeah. And I really saw when I did the space project with the kids, how much of an interest there was in something new and different. And mm -hmm. I said, OK, this is my time to actually really make a difference now. Right. And by creating something commercial that's scalable, I can reach so many more kids mm. than me by myself. Sure. So my my 
plan is to try and use Planet Zebinar as a tool or as a way of communicating space and science and engineering and STEM um, to kids all over the world. Whoa. So I can cr- I can reach so many more kids through mm. this okay. as opposed to kind of one-off projects. Sure. So I worked with IADT out in Dunleary for two summers. We did a lot of um, concept development, prototyping, yep. did a lot of uh, focus groups with kids to get their feedback. Right. So nearly 100 kids okay. to get their feedback in terms of what to change, yeah. uh, what they liked, what they thought was boring. And the great thing about kids is that they are totally honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll tell you if they don't like something which is exactly what you want when you're creating something so for me what was really missing in stem products is a strong storyline that right. can be um, made into a series you know a lot okay. of the products you see are kind of one-offs right. or they're add-ons to existing products but i wanted to create something a lot bigger okay um so through creating characters and a story, uh, you can incorporate many different elements of STEM, yeah. but in a really fun um, and interactive way. Mm. So um, to go with the story and the offline um, products, I have a, an augmented reality app okay. that integrates with them because Brilliant. these days you have to have something online yeah. for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought in psychologists as well. Sure. Because... As an as an engineer, I really I think the whole notion of having pink and blue construction toys for kids is just nonsense. Right. It's not doing anything yeah. to be inclusive or create right. diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's creating a separation yeah. more than anything at an early stage. So right. Planet Seminar isn't targeting purposely. It's for kids. It's yeah. not for boys or for girls. It's for kids. Yeah who are interested in something new and something different and mm. something fun as a way of engaging them in STEM. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I would have like done a lot of focus groups with different people purely to try and remove bias, including my own. Yeah. Um, so that was the good thing about bringing in people at an early stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would that have been something that you would have, when you were putting it all together maybe some of the learnings from the, the, the Frontiers program to think about bringing psychologists into this idea or, or did they help you even, not the psychologists but where did you, the idea of bringing the story come in and those sort of things come together yeah uh, interesting question so the idea the story was a, was something that I had wanted from a very early stage I, I thought you know I had done a lot of research in terms of what was on the market mm. and I just thought we could be doing a whole lot better yeah. and like characters and a story are such a great way of engaging kids the yeah. the imagination sure. the you know the way that they think and they have such an imagination themselves yeah. like you just need to give them the bones of something yeah. and they're just super creative mm. so the story was something that I had wanted to incorporate into the products from a very early stage but through working with IADT, those guys were just fantastic. They were phenomenal. I got working with the same um, two guys out there for two summers. And it was really through 
fleshing that story out that Planet Zebinar came to exist. Mm-hmm. So um, we we worked a lot in terms of getting the feedback. Um, but no, it wasn't, wasn't really through um, New Frontiers at okay. all that I got the idea of doing focus groups. I knew myself yeah. it, with anything that you're developing for kids, you have to tease it out and you have to get feedback from the kids themselves Mm. to know whether it's going to be something that they want. Okay. No, it's it's a really catchy name, like Zebinar. Is that, is there something behind that? No, it doesn't come from somewhere. (laughs) The name of it, the name is always so tricky, but no, that was more made up than anything. Um, We went through iterations of names, but I needed something that was catchy like that. And you think that I, I loved the Z at the beginning of the yeah, name because it's, it's like, powerful word, and it's, letter it's, anyway, like, and yeah. it's like Zed outer or, spacey, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's total like non yeah. earth like, you know, and right. um, plus I needed all the social media channels, which is near to impossible these days to get, to get a unique because the names, kind of name. absolutely. Right. And it's trademarked now uh, okay. as well because, um, but I have all of the social media channels got, but uh, all of those elements feed into names. It's it's yeah. really, it's hard now because Very hard. social media has been on the go for so many years. Yeah. A lot of names are taken, even if there's yeah. two followers, they're I not know. there, you know. Would you have learned about the trademarking through the, the frontiers? Uh, yeah, we would have learned about IP and trademarking. Um, but I think, like, I was lucky in that having come from academia and my role in yeah. ICOMP that I would have known. I would have sat oh, in on seminars stuff. with, okay. you know, different types of copyright and trademark and that. With Zebinar then, when, when is it launching or is it going out very soon? Yeah, yeah. so... <laughs> you see it with no fear there at all, so excitement. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm totally excited to get it out. I was at the Maker Fair in Dublin there in July and... Um, I just it's there's so many so many people are interested in it um, and I've had loads of people ask when's the launch date so um, I'm on track to get it out in September okay so that's my my goal now I'm yeah. in manufacturing mode so it should right. be doable so it's just to get it get it out in shells and start promoting it really brilliant get it out that's a good time probably to launch stuff it totally well. is yeah yeah Um, yeah. like because it's before Christmas as well and you know, gives me enough time to talk about it. And yeah. yeah. No, it's brilliant. It sounds really innovative. So best of luck. With Thank that. you. Yeah. Um, we get a little bit more at the end on that, but I'm going to ask you kind of some more just uh, future plans and yeah. kind of rapid fire ones just to, to dig on. into it. The one I wanted to <laughs> ask, I guess a couple of things I'm going to get into spacey stuff. Yeah, go on. Mars. What's what's your take on Mars? Is it something we're, we're, we're going to get to, do you think, in the near future? Yeah, I don't. I think so. I think, I think space agencies need to work together on these long term, um, missions like Mars. I mean, it's a it's a huge feat, and I think people shouldn't underestimate how much of a huge feat it is in going. So a lot of you know things you can read online might misdirect the public, sure. which I think us as space professionals need to come out and say, look, okay. it is actually hugely complicated course, to get yeah, to yeah. Mars, even from a technological point of view with the rocket and things. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely, like NASA are working on a on a on their SLS rocket now for deep space missions. So I do think it will happen in my lifetime. I hope it does oh. anyway to get to Mars. I would be reluctant in saying it will happen too soon, though. That's the only thing. Yeah. 
because there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. And again, just on Elon Musk, he, he's hell-bent on getting there yeah. very quickly and colonizing it, isn't he? He's like... Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, he I, I guess the thing is, like, so he is working with NASA, obviously, to do resupply missions with SpaceX. And, yeah. But even when you look at their commercial crew program, things need to be certified, they need to be regulated and all of that if you're sending humans to space. So even he needs to get his human spaceflight rocket going yeah. before he can even go to the moon or Mars. Sure. So if you just think, you know, there's milestones there to be met yeah. before we can talk about going yeah, further yeah, yeah. afield. Yeah, but it's important to have your, your vision. Oh, you know, absolutely, and absolutely. To, to and your longer-term plan. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah. Weightlessness, right? Mm. So this is something I've always seen in movies, Apollo 13, flying around the, the cockpit. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and said that, that the way they actually achieve that is they fly a plane up and zoom it back down again, do that numerous times for movies. Is, is there anything in NASA that can give you that weightlessness? Yeah, so they do. It's it's called the the Vama Comet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard of it. And so it goes up and down like parabolic times. flight. Yeah, right. absolutely. So um, uh, it's a modified aircraft where exactly as you say, it flies up and then at the peak you get um, like a, maybe fucking it's like forty seconds of weightlessness and then it comes back down and then you experience the opposite when it hits the bottom of the curve yeah so you're stuck to the floor and then it comes up again and you do that a number of times so you can actually experience weightlessness have you done it not yet but okay. it's on my list to do next year okay cool no, that was, <laughs> yeah that was something because I, I thought for some reason i thought they had some sort of ability to do it in a chamber or something yeah like that, yeah no no, okay. no and i actually i was talking to dan tanny about uh, he's a nasa astronaut and he's done six spacewalks okay um and um i was talking to him about scuba diving and he said that the when you're um like in have you ever done scuba diving i have yeah yeah so you know when you're neutrally buoyant yeah so you're floating and he said when you're floating and you're upside down in scuba diving when you're scuba diving that's the closest he's ever got to the experience he had as a spacewalker Ah. yeah wow so try it out <laughs> I, I did it once yeah. I didn't really enjoy it I was, no. I was a bit scared under the water but not the biggest swimmer in the world but um it's a bit daunting when you're down there for the first time all right <laughs> so you said it's on your list yes. so I want to know what else is on your list yeah what other so, goals um, have you I'm going to the uh, Project Possum in Florida in October. So that's a five-day program and it's to train as a an a scientist astronaut. So okay. over the five days, we'll learn a lot about uh, noctilucent clouds. Um, and you do a lot of like spacesuit training, um, hygiene training, um, hypoxia training, um, and all with the aim of becoming a scientist astronaut yep. when the uh, commercial space flights start okay. taking operation. Right. So they do add-on programs, including the parabolic flight, to do the weightlessness. Right. So my plan is to do the add-ons once I okay. get the first one done. Excellent. Yep. And the commercial flights, when are they expected to start? 
So this is different to Richard Branson's stuff. Yeah, as well, isn't yeah. It? This would be more like the Boeings and the Bigelow's, okay. those kind of ones. So, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I can't yeah. give you a date because these things still, always. Yeah, kind of, sure. You know. Yeah. But they're making great progress. Like, yeah. Uh, the the actual the links competition. What, what? Where was that? What? company was that going to get so this is this is this so that was with x-core who have now actually closed right okay so, so somebody never got to go and, yeah okay. quite a few sad people yeah. but at least virgin galactic are making good uh progress yeah pro- progress progression and they had a another test there just earlier this week so okay two days ago i think it was so right. They're gonna. They're gearing up for powered flight again. Okay, which is good. great. Yeah. Work life balance. How does that go? You mentioned earlier you love to have loads of stuff going on. Yeah. Is some of it because you obviously love a lot of what you're doing effectively not like work? Does that? I ask that question a lot of times. People have different answers. Yeah, I I'm actually good at the work life balance because my husband is good at the work life balance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually makes a big difference because um i know that like the vast majority of weekends i won't work yeah like as in okay i might send a few emails or whatever yeah, yeah, but yeah. um that's our time and cool. i absolutely think that's important um for your own health sure. to take a day or two off during the week but also if you're in a relationship or yeah, have kids or whatever it is that you you have to have some kind of balance there, and mm. um, so it's just being productive with the time you have. I think is yeah. the important thing because you can waste a lot of time. How do you, do you find that transition? Is it easy to say right? I can cut it and be flip into not working mode. <laughs> no, I don't find <laughs> Take that a few easy hours because to kind of withdraw, is it? <laughs> no, it's not easy at all because the thing is the internet is on your phone so and it's like and the sky oh. is up there you're and looking you're just at the like, stars and absolutely stuff. or you're reading an article and you're like oh i'll just post this on my facebook or whatever yeah, now yeah, and yeah. it's so you're always connected i think that's the thing so um i think it's a case that you have to just leave the phone in the bag if you're out or yeah. you know you just it's it's just emails are way too easy access like yeah. i'm much better for not checking emails for a day than like the whole social media thing, it's just so easy to be on, yeah, on it the whole yeah. time. So, yeah, I'm actually this month doing a challenge. Every month I do a challenge of trying to get better at something or stop doing something. So I put the phone in the other room at about ten thirty every night. Good. Okay. Now don't look at it till about seven thirty in the morning. Even though I'm up before and after. And I've been meaning to do that one for a while because of that. The alarm goes off and you're like, oh, you're looking at it. <laughs> then it's like reading some <laughs> stupid article from Facebook. I and know. And it's like 10 minutes still in bed and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It's a time sucker, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Whatever day, I'm eight days into August. <laughs> seven out of the eight I've done fine so far. So that, that's good. But that's good going, yeah. That goes to productivity then. So like you said, you're pretty productive with your time. Do you have an approach to, to plan your day, your week? Does it just naturally happen? So I don't, I, I, I can't say I have an approach. I my, my weeks have been all over the place lately with traveling up and down to ISU, like 
from Dublin to Cork. It's been all over the place. But um, like usually when I'm home, I'm quite good for routine in that I get up, I go to the gym first thing. Um, I'm home, breakfast, straight into work. Um, I try not to work at home all the time because it's just yeah you need some outside you need to get out basically yeah, yeah. um but i just the last few weeks have been mad with different events and different things on and yeah travel and whatnot so um no there's no real structure i just i have lists of things that i need to mm. get done and i just need to get them done so yeah how how good are you with lists on a if you don't get it all done on that day do you just move it to the next day or do you move it further out or is there any kind of ways of just <laughs> deprioritizing and taking it off the list? Yeah, I'm I like I've missed things at times yeah, because yeah. I just if they're not on your priority it's not purposely done, but you could read an email and forget to put it sure. as an unread, and then you're like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot about that." I yeah. totally forgot to reply to this person or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, of course that happens, but um, I'm I used to be a lot better at the lists and things. I think, it, I think it's kind of like now, like with it's like this. I feel like I've had that. I'm at this last hurdle to get the product out. So you can kind of get a little bit of tunnel vision in that you're like, you know, this is really your focus for the next few weeks. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's, you do get very focused on that, yeah. which is how it has to be really, you know. On that, when is it, when is the product good enough, do you think? Oh yeah, this is. <laughs> I'm just, because it's. I remember doing these at the start and how many times I might look back and edit and say, God, and it's just like, it's good enough. Nobody will hear that sniffle that I did three times. They're just listening to it, you know, so it's to try and you need to bounce that off other people, I guess, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, geez, I've gone through so many iterations. Like, and the thing is, we've done even so much, so much prototyping not even even before prototyping we did concept development so you're going back through layers so be testing and stuff yeah like that this and is that. the thing and like the the app is brilliant like she the my app developer made a great job of it like cool. so it's a really cool add-on and yeah like even the the book i wasn't happy with the the, the, the story was brilliant but the I wasn't happy with the draw some of the drawings that were in it, so I got more redone for that. Like you could co- you could continue to tweak and change and whatnot, but I'm after multiple iterations, I'm very happy with the product that okay. I'm putting out. Yeah. Um. Of course, there's always going to be things that you will do slightly differently yeah. next time or whatever. But like I could have tried to push to get the product out for last Christmas and not had the app and okay. it totally would have been premature and it would have been something that I wasn't happy with right. which is why it's not out in the market okay. so the way I look at it is that um, yes there absolutely comes a point that you make that decision to go but at the same time for a new product launch you have to be happy with what you're putting out you know it's your brand and it's your yeah 
product. So you have to be happy with the quality um, yeah. of the the contents. You get one shot at doing it. That you way, do. Yeah. You do. And like, you know, it would be very hard for me to come back this September and say, oh, remember that thing I put out last Christmas? Oh, I've redeveloped it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's here again. Yeah, People, yeah. you know. Returns from Planet Zebinar. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the survival of Planet Zebinar. <laughs> it's back. Uh, well, the Death Star, I guess, mm. was rebuilt, I suppose, you know, Star Wars. Um, decision making. So you, how do you approach decision making? Is it left brain, right brain? Do you have a... a gut feeling with stuff or when do you know to, to say I'll do that or I won't do that I think it's a combination of all of the above yeah if I'm I, honest no no it is I guess there's some just, certain I like things asking. I haven't listened to my gut before and it's totally backfired I've really? been like oh crap yeah. like I, I just and I went with it even though it wasn't sitting right and it's it cost it cost me time like it cost Absolutely. me six months like I was wow. like yeah with ordering in something and I but I mean, it has to be a learning curve, you know, uh, um, and look, I'll move faster as I go. This is, yeah. I've, I've had amazing mentors through ISU who've taught right. me how to deal with different things and, yeah. but it is a combination of all of the above. It is. No, it is. It, I was listening to a podcast there over the weekend and I asked that question to everybody and I'm writing stuff about intuition. It's the thing I'm most fascinated about. Well, one of the things, but there's as many there's as many brain cells in your gut as there is in a, in, a, in an actual dog's brain. Now, believe it or not, I, that's a fact at the weekend. And an intuition, I won't go off into a whole tangent, but you can Google that. That's a, it's, it's the truth. So that's why when we say we go with our gut, before people didn't realize it's actually there is brain cells in there that mm-hmm. that have a memory and remind you what to do people are probably listening to this now thinking oh god he's completely lost the plot no but, uh, i don't think so but then but then it's sometimes you don't get the gut intuition and it's maybe it was just a bad decision it's a case like with any business you're gonna learn yeah a lot as you go and yeah. you learn a lot about you and how you deal with things absolutely uh, yeah, yeah I just—it's a fascinating kind of area. And yeah, yeah. Look at it. I don't know enough about it now, but uh, there was just one time recently that I didn't listen to my gut and totally, totally backfired. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we learn from it all. You mentioned mentors. I ask a question around advice. Is there any one piece of advice that you remember getting that sticks out? One piece. I think there's been multiple, or and multiple. I think, and I think they feed in at different times. You know, when different things happen, you kind of think, "Oh, I remember that piece of advice." I've had such good mentors here at ISU that there's been different things over the years that kind of mm. come back to my brain. Yeah, at certain times when things, not necessarily good things, happen, and you kind of think, "Oh." You know, yeah, yeah, you should have listened to that yeah, advice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, how do you approach or do you approach fear? Or do you have much fear? Is that something you are conscious of, and what does it bring up when I mention fear? I I think your fear threshold moves the more you move it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I'll even go back to uh, when I did the space project with the kids. And like that was the first Andrew school experiment to be sent to the space station. There was a whole load of paperwork and legal work that had to be filled out with NASA. That was like a big step 
for me because I wrote the grants, the grants myself. And it was like I gathered the money and the funding to make that work. Mm-hmm. And I led the whole thing. So even in doing that and in facing those fear factors that I that were in front of me then. Yeah. Honestly, you, your level of fear moves as yeah. you put yourself through these situations. Yeah. And you kind of have to say, well, what's the worst that can happen? And I like even with Planet Zebinar, a lot of people might think they'd have a fear of actually trying to do something new or different or yeah but i think the more you progress yourself mm-hmm. the more that boundary of fear will progress with you and then the more you can achieve yeah you just have to stare it in the face and say well do you know what sure what's the worst that can happen yeah very very true it i like your response to it i think uh, people will hopefully get something out of that i think that's been a really interesting selfishly interesting hour and five (laughs) minutes nora thanks so much for for doing it just to wrap up another opportunity to talk about planet zebinar how people can get in touch with you if they want to know more and and everything else that you're involved in just yeah sure um so i'm on social media channels so twitter is at space nora um, Facebook page you can just Google or put in Nora Patton into Facebook you'll find me there um, and Planet Zebinar it's planetzebinar.com and you can sign up there um, to subscribe to the um, email list and okay. we'll be emailing everybody when we have the exact launch date but look it's all it's all good but yeah like any of those social media channels um, and you can follow Follow my adventure on Project Possum as well when I'm there in October. Okay. In Florida, I'll be updating and putting live videos and stuff up. Okay. Sounds like a event for a few months ahead, <laughs> yeah. Nora. Brilliant. Yeah. Wish you the best of luck with it. Thanks for doing this. I look forward to sharing it with uh, with the world as well. So. Uh, thanks a million and keep up the good work. I'll do what yeah. I can do. Thank you. Just before you go, two minutes. I hope you listen. Just give me two minutes. Okay, so number one, the newsletter. I'd love if you signed up. I have over a thousand signups. You'll get a note just before an episode is released every week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's on the site. Click on the homepage and you can sign up from there. Number two, the podcast is growing. Listeners are going up and up. And I'd like to continue to do so. So, would you be interested in supporting what I do? No obligations, but I've set up a Patreon page, which uh, is something a lot of podcasters are doing and other artists, I say loosely, and you can support it by donating for per an episode or, or just in general. That would help me improve marketing, improve everything I guess I'm doing and try and maybe even get to the point where I can get a guest or two on and pay them for their time so that would be great if you think there's some value in listening to the show maybe you'd like to instead of buying that seventh cup of coffee during the week you could donate the two or three euros to the show totally up to yourself if you've got richer by the one percent better podcast maybe you could donate and help it grow 
and how do you do so you just go to the support page on the website click on support you'll see the patreon image click there and it's pretty straightforward after that okay that's that what is your story what are you getting from the show if anything send me a note email me about that i would love to read out your story be it anonymous or whatever if you want your name read out and uh, that'll hopefully help others get something from it as well so that's really the the value the show is bringing you can get in touch through email it's at rob at rob of the green twitter facebook instagram at rob of the green i'm on linkedin under my own rob o'donoghue name persistence is key with this in the last few weeks i have increased numbers and that's just through marketing through pushing things a little bit more i'm going to keep doing that and get it out there more people are hearing it i'm gone over two minutes i know that if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like me to interview i'm all ears get in touch and finally thank you so much for listening and telling people about it and liking it and sharing it it's so nice to get a an email from somebody i don't know and they tell me that they've got something from the show makes it all worthwhile i'm going to keep doing it i'm enjoying it and i'm going to say good luck thank you bye